Hi, welcome to the fifth episode of that human bio thing. And we're going to be looking at the central nervous system today. The central nervous system is made up of the brain and the spinal cord. And as we know that those two things are very important, those two structures are very important to us and therefore need to be protected. A common exam question will be describe the three protective layers for the brain or it might say for the central nervous system, in which case the first protective layer is a hard outer part called the bo made of bone. So bone is the hard outer layer. And the part that protects the brain is the cranium, so not the skull. The skull is the whole structure, which includes the mandible as well, but the cranium is the part that protects the brain. Now, the spinal cord is protected by several vertebrae, so forming the vertebral column, and both of these are obviously hard protective outer layers made of bone. Within that, you've got membranes. These membranes are called the meninges. Meningae are, or meningae, there are three meningae. The dura mater, which is the outer layer. It's a thick, durable membrane. It's attached to the skull, but not to the vertebral column. Uh, instead, in the vertebral column, there is a space filled with fat, connective tissue, and blood vessels. The dura mater is a fibroelastic layer of cells, and it contains larger blood vessels that split into capillaries in the pia mater. The next layer down is called the arachnoid mater. The reason it's called the arachnoid mater is because it forms like a web-like structure and therefore, because it looks like a spider's web in appearance, we call it the arachnoid mater. And it cushions the central nervous system. It's a thin, transparent membrane and it's thought to be impermeable to fluid. And then the inner layer is the pia mater, or pia mater, depending on how you choose to say that. This layer firmly adheres to the surface of the brain and spinal cord, much like a fibrous glove. Like the dura mater, it is thought to be impermeable to fluid. It's a very thin layer of fibrous tissue, which is punctuated by blood vessels to the brain and spinal cord. These allow the central nervous system to be nourished. So that's the membranes, the meninges. And then the third layer is known as the cerebrospinal fluid. The cerebrospinal fluid is a clear watery fluid which contains a few cells, some glucose, protein, urea and salts, and occupies the space between the middle and inner layers of the meningae. It circulates through the ventricles, or the cavities of the brain, providing nutrients to the brain and spinal cord. This obviously is not its protective function, it also removes waste products, but this isn't its protective function. It's a protective function because it acts as a shock absorber, and so therefore if the central nervous system is exposed to any blows or shocks, um, these can be absorbed by the fluid with the central, the cerebrospinal fluid. And so that is the structure or the protective layers of the brain. The brain is made up of several parts. And if we were to look at the brain from the top, we'd have the frontal lobe, or not from the top, but from the side, we'd have the frontal lobe and the periorbital lobe, which falls behind the frontal lobe. Those two parts formulate the cerebrum. The outer part of the cerebrum is known as the cerebral cortex, which is where most of the activity occurs within the brain in terms of decision-making, for example. But it mustn't be forgotten that there are basal ganglia, ganglia being a group of cells, uh, cell bodies, uh, are underneath the um, cerebrum, and they form connecting neurons between the cerebrum and other parts of the brain, such as the cerebellum, which is found at the very back of the brain underneath. 
and there's obviously communication which I'll come on to, uh, or the, the rear at the underneath part, I should say. The occipital lobe is found at the very back, and this contains the visual association area as well as the primary visual area. And then in the middle part of the brain, we have the temporal lobe, which contains the hypothalamus. If we were to look at the parts of the brain, the main parts that we need to know in our syllabus are the cerebellum and the medulla oblongata, which are found in the hindbrain, uh, the hypothalamus, the corpus callosum, and the cerebrum, which are found in the forebrain. The midbrain contains the corpora quadrigemina, I don't really know how to say that, which controls auditory and visual reflexes, but isn't really part of our syllabus. Okay, now, if you were to think of the brain, uh, the way to think about it is that you've got the spinal cord and on top of that you've got the pons and then on top of that you've got the um, medulla oblongata and the brain builds up in complexity. So all your base functions, the functions that keep you alive, are found in the medulla oblongata. So the centres of the brain that will keep you alive while you're sleeping or if you were to pass out are found there. For example, you need to continue breathing. So not surprisingly, your respiratory centre is found in the medulla oblongata as to is the vasomotor center because you need to constrict vasoconstrict which means the vessels the blood vessels narrow and vasodilate which means that the blood vessels widen to basically move the blood around different parts of your body body depending on your position and finally to pump the blood around the body you need the heart to do that and so the heart the cardiac center is also found in the medulla oblongata. So there are three parts found in the medulla oblongata, the cardiac center, the vasomotor center, and the respiratory center. Now we're gonna look at the structure of the cerebrum. The cerebrum is the biggest part of the brain, and it consists of the outer surface of gray matter. It's about two to four millimeters in thickness, and or the outer part is two to four millimeters in thickness, and that's known, as I said before, as the cerebral cortex. And below the cortex is the white matter and deep inside the cerebrum, as mentioned earlier, are additional grey matter which form the basal ganglia, which form links between other parts of the brain to allow some functions. For example, there are the basal ganglia link to the medulla oblongata to allow some voluntary control of breathing. Now we know that that doesn't continue infinitum because we know that after a while, if you hold your breath for a long period of time, eventually your system will override your or your basal mechanisms will override your um, decision making and ensure that you breathe normally and so we call that a sharp intake of breath so the brain the cerebrum is also has several convolutions convolutions quite simply means folds or that's what they are and there are two types of folds you can think of the gyri and if you think about gyration, that moves from side to side. So if you think about gyrating your hips, then you are moving your hips from side to side. So the gyri are the convolutions which go from side to side. And then you've got these smaller, shallow downfolds, which go downwards, are called the sulci. Singular of that is sulcus. Singular of gyri is gyrus. Uh, if there are deeper downfolds, we call them fissures. Now, the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere can be divided into two parts. And in between those two parts of the cerebrum are a link, group of linking neurons and nerves which are formulate the corpus callosum. A common exam question is to say what would happen if you were suffering from something such as, um, or uh, what's it called? 
if you had jerkiness, I can't remember its name, but basically how would you control that? You can't stop it, but what you would be able to do is if you had surgery, which actually uh, cut across the nerve fibres, which uh, the communication between the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain through the corpus callosum, then you can reduce the impact of those uh, tremors. So Parkinson's disease uh, is one that you would look at, but I'm not sure that that's the example that's given. I'm trying to remember. My apologies, it will come back to me, I'm sure, in a later podcast. Anyway, moving on, the uh, brain, obviously the top part of the brain in other uh, hominids is a lot smaller. Humans, the average size of the brain is 1,350 uh, cubic centimetres, and you'll come back to that when you look at unit four. And uh, so what normally happens is you pick up signals in the uh, association areas of the brain, which are transmitted to the sensory areas, then these are transmitted to the, um, from these sensory areas to the primary motor area, which will send a signal back down to the, uh, the afferent, or the, sorry, the efferent, efferent E pathways, which will cause a response. Now you pick up a number of different stimuli from a variety of sources. Stimuli are the changes in the internal and external environment that you respond to. And those changes can come in the form of a number of different um, senses so you can imagine that if you smell something you might say that that cake smells really nice so that uh, sensory information is processed other information is picked up as well that would be in the primary olfactory center olfactory means smell center and that would send a message and then you might go towards that cake um, because you want to taste it and then your primary taste area will taste it as well so uh, there are a number of, you can see that there's a simulation or information is processed in the sensory areas. The association areas interpret the information from the senses and make it useful. And so the sensory areas receive, as we've already said, the afferent areas. I suppose we use the word sensory when we're talking about the brain. Um, receive and process the, the information that is picked up. The motor areas then send impulses to the muscles particularly the skeletal muscles or voluntary muscles, to carry out a response. Now, the cerebellum. The cerebellum is found at the rear part of the brain. If you were to compare the, uh, the way, the structure, you would see that the structure is uh, far more, it's folded, but it's not folded in the, to the same degree as the cerebrum. Um, what it controls is posture, and it controls your fine movements. So, you may make a decision to hit a golf ball, for example. The actual decision to do that would be in the cerebrum. The cerebrum then may, or then there'll be the processing of the fact that the ball wasn't hit as cleanly as you would like. So you make small adjustments, and those small adjustments are as a result of the cerebellum. And so information is transferred from the cerebrum to the cerebellum, and that corrects the the corrects the. Uh, way that you hit the golf ball in this example that I've just given. You've also got to recognise that information, sensory information comes from both the inner ear for, and from stretch receptors and this information is the information that is controlled or processed at this conscious level. And so again the example that's given in your textbook is small smooth coordinated movements such as writing, playing an instrument and or keying into a computer are uh, rely on the fine motor movement of the cerebellum or the control from the cerebellum. If the cerebellum is damaged, then it will result in more jerky movements. You'll still be able to move, but your movements will be a lot more jerky. 
We won't spend too much time talking about the hypothalamus because the hypothalamus, as we've talked about in a previous podcast, is like the managing director of the hormonal side of the brain. Um, so what happens there is it, con- it basically controls homeostasis. So what happens is the managing director is saying this is what needs to be done and the manager, which is the pituitary gland, will release hormones uh, in order to ensure that the control of the body is controlled, uh, homeostasis occurs via um, the release of other hormones, depending on whether they're inhibitory or releasing factors. So they are the key parts. The spinal cord I've already mentioned, it basically is an extension of the, um, or the, the uh, yeah, it's an extension of the brain and it travels all the way down the center or the, uh, yeah, of the body. Okay. So that is the end of that section of information. Hope that was helpful.